Uh, of course, this is Pistons versus Everybody on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Pistons versus Everybody is brought to you by our partners, Untuck It and Manscaped. Kyle Maggio, did you get your uh, Manscaped little package thing? Uh, yeah. Yeah. What'd you What'd you think of it? Uh, I thought it was great. <laughs> I, I had a good experience. I like I I liked it, but like I never get stuff and like I don't order stuff off Amazon either. And so like when I got it, my wife was immediately like, like, who sent you this? <laughs> what's what's her name? <laughs> right. And I'm like, uh, like I'm pretty sure this is a blue wire thing, but it's got like no notice on it or nothing. So like I'm sorry, baby. <laughs> you have to take my word for it on this one. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, you are the you are part of the Knicks wall and you are one of the hosts of the Knicks wall podcast. And we are obviously going to talk about the Pistons 122-102 victory over the New York Knicks. And uh, yeah, like I like I was saying, Cole Anthony went for 34. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and as I was saying, you know, future Nick legend, uh, I'm hoping because that's all we ever have around these parts is uh, just wild Vivid hope. What? Okay. What? First of all, what happened to Mitchell Robinson? Because he didn't return after the first quarter, and he is a guy that like holds a lot of hope for Knicks fans. Like, what? What was up with him? I didn't see. Uh, apparently, he got knocked in the head somewhere. I I don't even remember the exact play it happened. Um, because I I believe he played through it initially, and uh, yeah, they they pulled him. We didn't hear anything for about ten minutes, and then they told us. Um, you know, it was uh, concussion related, possibly. So he, I, I don't know what the deal is. I assume he's going to enter the concussion protocol and, uh, you know, has to pass that to, to re-enter. But, uh, yeah. Oh, man, that is rough because, like, he's legitimately good and he legitimately could have helped you guys tonight. He was the only not negative, if I'm not mistaken, tonight. Uh, yep. Him and then, you know, Alonzo Trier's garbage minute. So everyone else was a super negative. And then Mitchell Robinson was a, uh, a firm zero with his eight minutes. All right. So I want to hear from you, like what this team's problems are, because the whole point of bringing in all these vet free agents over the summer was so that they like wouldn't start the year one in six or whatever. And now they're one in seven. Like what, what, what is wrong with this team that I'm not seeing? Yeah. So what you mentioned about what they tried to do to short things up. So you see like how the Phoenix suns, you know, you, you see how that's right. going. So, so right. I mean, similar plan, like, okay, uh, we'll, we'll strip down the roster to the bare bones, young guys, strictly the young guys are going to keep. Cause they did after this year, there was like nothing. It was like Kevin Knox, Neil Aquina, Dennis Smith Jr., Mitchell Robinson, uh, Damian Dotson, and just nothing else. And they had to sign and draft everybody. And, you know, I, I don't really love what they did this offseason, but I understood it was like basically what the Suns did. Like, okay, we have to at some point show we could play competent basketball with professional basketball players and, and stop their own G League guys up. And I, I respected the pivot. Uh, I I haven't been high on the moves, but I respected the pivot to try to save face. And yeah, it just it there's no spacing for starters. Uh, they don't embrace the identity 
of the strengths of the team. Uh, most of those guys are guys who don't really shoot well, you know, but are open floor kind of transition players. And for some reason, Fisdale uh, doesn't have them do that almost ever. Um, these are guys like Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle who were top percentile in a pick and roll offense. And uh, Fisdale, again, uh, has decided to just slow the offense down, uh, down into a half court and dump the ball in for a lot of isos. And it's just, it, it's one part coaching. Uh, it's one part just the, the personnel and talent not being there. But uh, there's no clear system for what they're supposed to be doing. It's just it, it's just a lot of uh, a lot of guys on different wavelengths right now. Everybody just seems to be kind of disconnected with each other. Yeah, I like I have written down in my notes that like in the first half when it was closer, is like they are making a lot of tough shots, but like they have a lot of dudes who whose game is like conducive to making tough shots. So like I understand that. And, like, that's why it's close. But, like, if they keep trying these shots, like, that's not going to work. But, like, the thing that really stands out to me, too, is the is the lack of, like, a real point guard, right? Like, earlier in the year, like, R.J. Barrett was running some point. Um, now you've got Frank back. And Frank actually looked not that bad tonight. Um, five for seven from the floor and, you know, four assists. But he's not really being used like a, like a traditional point guard. And like my boy Dennis Smith Jr. is not playing right now because of some family issues. And obviously, like when he was playing before, uh, he he wasn't shooting that well. And so, and like, what happened to Alfred Payton? Is Alfred Payton hurt? Yeah. So Alf's dealing with a, a calf strain or injury of some sort. They thought he was going to be able to come back, uh, f- you know, for tonight's game, these set of games initially. But I believe yesterday they ruled him out for the next two so uh they're just i guess being cautious so so will the offense look better when like when you have some actual point guards like running this team yeah um i I will say i you know i wasn't really thrilled about the alfred payton signing i i thought that's uh, fair i i i don't dislike him as a player actually you know he actually improved a little bit last year playing in new orleans and uh he had a good rapport, especially with you know Julius Randle. So like I, I I understood it to a degree, but I just didn't like it. I figure, uh, I, I thought they'd let Frank at least lean into that backup role a little bit more. But um, Dennis has struggled tremendously to start the year, whether he's rusty or out of shape or uh, just not in it right now. And maybe it had something to do with the issues uh, that he's been dealing with off the court. Um, but um, that, not, obviously nothing troubling. But you know the the stepmother that he lost, and you know I yeah. don't know what you know. You never know what goes on behind the scenes with those kinds of things. So, um, but either way, Dennis is struggling uh, pretty bad. So when Alfred's been in there, they look pretty good, pretty competent. I, he hasn't really been good, but the ball moves around a little bit better. It helps Julius Randle to not do too much because they've been relying on him to do everything. And I th- think he's a very good basketball player, but I don't think uh, that's not the guy who should be the best player on your team. Yeah, that's fair. You know, he's a he's a good secondary player, I think. He, he's a hell of a second option, like an elite second option. But, uh, you know, the, they've kind of been asking him to play a lot of point guard too and a lot of playmaker and he's been having to pass a lot more he's averaging a career high in assists also a career uh, career high in turnovers because he's trying to make all the passes right now so uh 
they're just it's just a weird it's just a weird bunch man it's, it's a weird group so what's what's the temperature on frank because like the pistons had expressed some interest in frank earlier this year and people who like didn't see him in FIBA were like wait this guy that guy sucks and i was like well he, he's he's slowly getting better and he's still like you know in his very early 20s it's so like where where are nick's fans on frank so so divided uh some some people think that he's just uh, a sleeping giant just he's gonna break out suddenly and be this two-way I mean, like, monster you, you you can see why when he plays well yeah this is listen i i have seen it i believe it deep down i love frank nilakita with all my heart i really do i i just want him to be good so bad o- almost worse than anybody that's ever played for this team and i don't know why and i think a lot of fans feel that way he's just a good innocent kid tries hard you know gives a damn on defense because no one ever does here and uh you know but then there's the other side who have been saying he's a bust since day one and just hate him and can't score he can't do anything offensively so uh fans are very black and white on him i i've been kind of neutral because it's just like look i get it but he's also stinking it up for two straight years like at at some point he's got to you know, start to fulfill a little bit of what we envisioned for him. And he wasn't doing that. But I've got to say the last week and a half, uh, he's kind of played like he did tonight. Just, you know, nothing. Yeah, just solid. Like, you know, I I remember talking with the Knicks wall guys this this year for Frank, and I I said the same exact thing last year too. And he missed half the year with injury, so I gave him a little bit of a pass, gave him the same expectations. If you just give me 10 or 11 points a game, four – maybe five assists a game and you just play like that level of defense like he had three blocks tonight like he's playing pretty good on ball defense he you know i wasn't a good team effort as a whole and he kind of uh fell asleep on a couple of things but you know your starting point guard getting three blocks is is good objectively that is good from that position so it's it's if he plays like tonight like that's that's what we want. That's a starter, an NBA starting caliber point guard, but it's just consistency with him. So we'll see. Uh, hopefully he keeps it going. Yeah. he He's 21. Like I just checked. He's 21. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see him joining the pantheon of former Knicks legends in like two or three years and like being like a solid like role player for somebody. Um, so like, yeah, I'm just – Frank continues to fascinate me because especially since like him and DSJ were in the same draft. And like both those guys, they were compared to each other, obviously coming out both top 10 picks and now they're on the same team. And now like neither one of it's like working consistently. That's just, just like one of those things that continues to intrigue me. Like as we're, as we're going on through the year, I mean, speaking of top 10 picks though, RJ Barrett, kind of a beast. I mean, his line did not look good, but like whenever, whenever he had the ball, I was like slightly alarmed. Dude, strong as hell, can get to his spots whenever he wants to. Shot, I think, eleven free throws. Only made six though, and that was something I noticed when I was like researching you guys. Like RJ is under fifty percent from the free throw line. Like, is that is that a concern? Like that? It's good that he's able to get to the get to his spots and get fouled, but like, why why can't he shoot free throws? So, Joe Nardone, uh, I I believe you, you know, you're familiar with Joe Nardone. I am. Um, so, so Joe Nardone, our close personal friend. Oh, uh, oh, wait. I know where this is going. I don't like this. No, no, no. He likes to say, like, because he's been behind RJ for a very long time. 
And he's described this to me as like a, a work in progress with his jumper because I guess for a while he was super raw, just basically going to the basket and nothing else. And from just high school to college in, in his mechanics, like the fluidity of his jumper, uh, the results actually, like he made a, a really big leap just from high school to college in his perimeter shooting and in his jump shooting in general. So Joe was kind of described it as something that like he works tirelessly on and he's a work like this guy, like by all accounts uh, from everyone in college that's known him prior uh, says he, he like this guy works like actually really hard, not like cliche hard, you know, toughest guy in the room type of stuff. Like he's actually right. really doing it. So Joe, Joe's been saying for a while, like he's actually genuinely trying to improve his jump shot. Like he's actively working on it all the time. So that's the best way I can describe it. That's what it looks like to me. It's like a dude still trying to figure it out and put it together. It looks like he knows what to do. It's just trying to figure out how to time it right and get it down. Oh yeah, that make that makes sense. It's weird to think that, you know, he's 19, right? He's not a finished product either. But because he's got like a little bit of like the Stanley Johnson thing where like because he's, his body is so well defined, people think uh, and he's such like a mature dude to like talk to. People think he's, you know, further along in his development than he perhaps like should be. And it's like, no, you got to remember, like, dude's 19, still figuring stuff out. But looks looks really good, though. Like, you guys got a player in RJ, I think. Yeah, he's just a, he has a nice floor game. Uh, yeah. I, I, I was excited about him. The, the upside, of course, but I thought he was kind of a relatively safe pick. I was like, he rebounds extraordinarily well for his position. Uh, he passes pretty well from an off-guard spot. So, I, I thought in the NBA that those things were going to translate well. And you, you see even tonight on a night where he can't shoot worth a damn from anywhere or the line, he stills, you know, getting rebounds, getting assists, like finding ways to be involved. So knocking Porathon maker into the third row. <laughs> He's, he really is built like a grown man. <laughs> He's strong. Support for Blue Wire comes from Manscaped who's number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. All right, I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. Like, I don't use anything, like, electric or vibrating down there, like, for good reason. Man- Manscaped has literally redesigned the electric trimmer to assuage any of my fears or any of your shared fears about what would happen if you put something electric and vibrating down there. So that's why they made the Lawnmower 2.0 is proprietary skin safe technology. So the trimmer won't give you like a horrible disfiguring accident that would like ruin your dating life. And so manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. And you don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using down there. That's just gross. Like I'm, shocked that that needs to be said i'm shocked and disappointed in in all of us manscaped also has the crop preserver and anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer you already put deodorant on your armpits why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body that makes a lot of sense to me it 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 does get kind of swampy at times it's hot down here in the south get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code bluewire at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and you use the code blue wire all one word 
you ever see an untucked button down it looks bad why because it wasn't meant to be worn that way just like flat out thankfully there's untuck it the original button down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked no matter your size or your shape untuck it shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length and with the holidays near there's no better gift for your favorite guy who needs an upgrade i am i am my favorite guy i, I do need an upgrade the untucked button down shirts are really hot they get it gets hot down here in the south and so you you try and tuck the untucked shirts into your pants and then it gets like it gets real hot and you're, you're not a fan of that but then if you untuck it it looks really baggy and if you iron it it's straight and then it gets it gets less straight and you just like you look like a pillow like it it, it doesn't work like i'm legitimately glad that like untuck it offers a, a valuable service to the community you can enjoy this service by finding your favorite untuck it style online or checking out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores you can choose from styles like wrinkle-free button downs super soft flannels outerwear and more with untuck it your shirts will never look baggy bulgy too long or too big again i hate it when they look baggy i hate that and their website is super easy to use they have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit so whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com, promo code BLUE, B-L-U-E, for 20% off. Guys, like, trust me, like, you, you want the Untuck shirt. Like, those, those things look good. So actually, so speaking of dudes that are strong, actually, I wanted to get, I need an outside console on point guard Bruce Brown. So the Pistons are down all three of their like real point guards. And so they're forced to run this like weird Bruce Brown who's, who played some on the ball in Miami, but like isn't really a point guard. Some Luke Kennard who's also like not really a point guard. You saw Frankie give him fits in the half court a little bit. Um, Langston Galloway, who I know you know is not a point guard, and so like I, but and so, what 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 did you what did you think of Bruce Brown as a as a as a point guard tonight? He actually intrigued me a little bit when when I was watching the game. You know, I'm, I, I don't know. He just kind of jumped off the screen to me. I don't know why. He just seemed very active. Um, I don't know if that was your read or not, but that was my early. Uh, observation. It just felt like he was kind of all over the place. Yeah, um, kind of good and bad. But I, I just liked kind of like how hard he seemed to be trying to to work. Um, but I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I, I thought he was. I thought he was solid. He does try real hard, and like that. That's a blessing and a curse, right? Because like you end up with possessions where like he's uh, out of control, like just attacking the rim. But at the same time, like, I like that putting the ball in his hands has made him more responsible, like, on offense. And so he was always a, a really good – he was – last year he was a good on-ball defender, great defensive communicator. This year he's forced to, like, open his mouth and, like, talk to guys on offense and set and set guys up. And that's making him, like, more of a leader. I'm excited about that. But, like, you saw the shot. Like, he can't 
the shot is a problem at this current state at this iteration. And so like you, there were definitely times when like guys read the scouting report and like, um, and like Frankie or, uh, or RJ is like hanging out at like the free throw line where, where and he's dribbling around the three point line. And it's like, well, spacing screwed. Sorry, man. Like it is what it is. You just gotta like, you just gotta roll with it. And they found some ways around it, but like, I don't know. I'm just, is, is I need, I need more, I need a higher sample and I need like more outside opinions on this. Cause I'm super biased in that. I want it to work, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, I can, like, I, I can kind of see it working out. I, I don't know how strong of a player he'll end up being, but guys that work hard like that always kind of find a way to stick around. He kind of, I mean, they, they don't, it's not a direct cop because I hate those, but it kind of reminds me of a, uh, like activity wise, kind of like a Corey Brewer, just kind of like all over the place. You know, sometimes it's goofy and it doesn't go your way. And sometimes you get a really, really, really good game uh, from that type of player. Like that's just kind of the type. I, I want to watch him more too, because I, I have not watched nearly enough of him, but that was like first impression tonight. That was what I got. Yeah, no, if you're, if you're not like a Pistons fan, like I'm not expecting like a super deep dive on Bruce Brown Jr. Like it's fine. I, I absolve you. But but I like I like the Corey Brewer comp though because like that is definitely the type of guy I thought he could be like coming out of college just like all three and D guy and Corey couldn't even really shoot that well so more of a defense first guy yeah 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 so uh we we joked about this a little bit on Twitter but like Tony Snell like Knicks killer like when I, I didn't I didn't see that coming did you see that coming? Have other wings just been like tearing you guys up and I missed it? No, this has been going on since it feels like forever, but like I forgot which season it, it was. It, it, this is a legit, I'll have to really actually dig it up, but I think it was 2014, 2015, the previous time that they won 17 wins, the, mm-hmm. the season that got them KP. And I think that it was that year or the year before, but pretty sure it was that year. And the there was a, like record amount of players that had set career highs against the Knicks that year. And I forgot if it was like nine or 10, it was like a stupid amount. Like Martel Webster and the wizards just like going off for 39, just oh buckets. My God. just buckets. Like, but, but it was like, this has been going on. So like anytime, like Mike Dunleavy, when he was on the bucks would just torch us, just torch us. Like it's, it's always like weird games like that. Just like, so it's been going on. So I actually joked around not about Tony Snell, but uh, yesterday with the the, the Whistle Sports uh, sl- Slack chat, we have a Knicks channel, and I said I was like, "Oh, tomorrow's going to be the uh, Luke Kennard game," and I, and then everyone kind of like laughed. I'm like, "Yeah," I was like, "Somebody's going to light us up, like somebody random." I was like, "I bet you." I was like, "I bet you it's going to be Luke Kennard who's going to go, you know, 17 for 20 from the field, just joking around." And then you know, Tony Snell comes Tony out. Snell comes out. Just, just buckets, just water from everywhere. Just can't miss. What, I think he started seven for seven. He finished nine for nine. Nine for oh, oh there, yeah, the perfect game. Okay, yeah, uh, twenty four points. Uh, just, just unbelievable. Six of six from deep. Just, it, it would have been nice if you know someone got a hand up, got near him, uh, got this, shoved him. You know something, something. Because I mean, wow, I. <laughs> I felt something like that coming, but Tony Snell, Jesus. He threw his first lob like of the year 
to Dre. And that's like in the first quarter, early in the first quarter. And that's when I was like, okay, like something is definitely up. Cause like <laughs> normally not only does he not dribble, like he, he doesn't throw lobs. And so like he, he's feeling good tonight. I didn't, I didn't get it, but like, man, that is, that is rough. Yeah. I knew, I knew it was going to be an even longer night because, uh, my, uh, I, I was trying to watch on the MSG Go app at first, terrible app, and it, the, the audio is cutting in and out, and all of a sudden it cuts back in, and I, and I hear, uh, and uh, Tony Snell already up to ten points. You know, he's he's averaging <laughs> he's averaging eight on the season, and I look, it's still in the first quarter. I was like, oh no, <laughs> this is isn't that that's not how you want to start. That's yeah, and of course it got worse. Oh my god. Okay, so guy who is a little bit better than Tony Snell. Andre Drummond. Uh, Andre Drummond had like 26 points tonight. He was very clearly chasing a triple double <laughs> late in the fourth, which annoyed me a little bit to no end. But uh, he's been he's been killer to start the year. I saw like yes, yes. Wally Zerbiak said he was like the best uh, center in the NBA, and like Wally Zerbiak apparently does work for MSG, and like I did not know that's where Wally Zerbiak ended up. But like good for Wally, but like. Uh, I think a lot of that was helped by like not having to go up against Mitchell Robinson, who actually like legitimately gave him trouble last year at times. But like, what what did you what did you think of uh, the way Andre Drummond has played start the season? I've actually thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I was at my boy's house the other night, and we were watching the Brooklyn game. And oh, that's right. And Dre was just five, I think it was twenty five and twenty that night. Uh, and and there was certainly other stats, eight stocks or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And it just it's just stupid, just stupid. Uh, and you know they they came back from what like twelve down, fourteen down, something like that, something and then like they end that. up you know blowing them out basically. And uh, I mean it was just a lot of fun. You know, um, I how do you feel about the like the Blake Drummond pairing? Because I like both of them individually. And I I don't know how uh, how well it's going to work in the long term, but like, do you think that Dre is kind of benefiting right now with this recent surge? Or so he can't Dre can't like carry this level of offense reliably the whole season. Like if if he could, uh, like it would be the first time in his career that he could do it. So like, it's just better to expect that he won't be able to. But like. Him and him and Blake work really well together because Blake can handle the ball. Right? You can run like four or five pick and roll with Blake and Dre, and like no one else in the NBA does that. And so other teams are just like, well, well, shit. Like I, I don't know what to do. Like they, there was a game against Chicago last year where the like Laurie Markkinen and Robin Lopez like had to defend had to defend a four or five pick and roll for like half a quarter straight and just got like eaten up by it the entire time. It was ridiculous. And so like. Then the numbers agree. Like, I think they were like plus six or plus seven or something like that on the court together last season. And so, like, yeah, the the pairing absolutely works. The problem has always been like the third best player is Reggie Jackson. And like now Reggie Jackson's out. It's like the third best player is like Luke Kennard. It's like I, I love Luke. Luke's playing better this year. But like that is not like traditionally the third best player on like a really good playoff team, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, Luke's in, Luke's kind of intrigued me for a while. Uh, I actually just picked him up in in fantasy, so I I am now relying. I'm invested in him <laughs> to, to be good. But um, 
this the Pistons. I always like the guys that you end up with on this, like the Pistons. Like I always like them, and then I feel like it just never goes. It's never. It never goes poorly. Truly poorly. It just never goes as, as like well as hoped. Like I, I love Blake, and it's just like I, I would like to see him go like beyond the eighth seat. I'd love for him to like elevate you guys. You know, like. Yeah. Markeith Morris, I love the Morris twins. We like we love he's a baller. We love Marcus he, in Detroit. He, he he's just uh, it's, it's a fun team, man. Like, I, I don't know. I uh, I like a lot of those Pistons. Man, fun is not a word you could use to describe the Pistons most it's like of when, the time. <laughs> it's like when you go name by name, like they're all like guys that like. And maybe this is just me because I'm a Knicks fan, and this team is so devoid of talent year after year. But I'm like, oh, that was that's a guy I'd enjoy in this team. I'd, Luke Kennard, I love a guy who could shoot. That would that would be great. I love that. <laughs> so a bunch of Pistons fans are actually worried that the Knicks are going to do something about Dre, right? Because Dre's the maybe the only like good free agent on this free agent class. He's from Mount Vernon, um, and the Knicks have a history of chasing max level free agents and dre is probably like the closest thing to that so like have you heard any like andre drummond to nick's like rumors on your side is like because i know i can tell you for a fact that is a among people who want andre drummond to stay it's a legitimate worry that the knicks could just be like 180 million take it or leave it so as somebody that enjoys andre drummond from afar i would prefer that they don't invest that much money in Andre Drummond um, only because like that's just our big pet peeve around here at this point it's just like look man we, we don't care that you spend money just stop spending it on like right you know like the, the regular good to very good players like just for once like just go get somebody who's actually going to be like a franchise elevating altering thing not that he wouldn't to a degree do that for us because he'd obviously aid this future team. But, you know, again, it's just like, what would the ceiling of that team ultimately be? It's like, it'd be nice to just consistently be a, a top four or five seed for once. You know, it's just, I would prefer that they, they avoid like the Andre drum. Cause that to me is like, then they would have thrown, 180 million at like Tobias Harris this offseason, you know, which he and got I, by the way, which which he got, and when it's not for my team, you know, I I feel good about it. So I'm glad he got paid. I like him in Philly, but um, you know that that's a lot of money for Tobias Harris. It it is, it is. But again, good for him. But it, it's like if the Knicks did that, it's just like all right, well, sure. Uh, i guess i can't really complain but also what the fuck a little bit you know it's like a a blend yeah yeah no trust me like people in detroit don't want to pay andre that much money either they're more worried that like the knicks will drive up his price than like anything else i hope not i mean what's the plan so if you guys let dre walk what's the plan you just roll with blake and that's the thing man like if if Trey walks, like you have to figure out a sign and trade. Otherwise, like there's no reason for Blake to be here. Like perfectly honestly, 
And so like it's at that point, it's like either sign and trade something for Dre to get somebody that's like actually going to play center and uh, try and like chase the eighth seed some more, or you trade Blake, blow it up. Now you've got like Luke, Bruce Brown, Seku, and like some picks. And like, that's your team for the next like two, three years. And like, I like Luke and like, I like Seku and like Seku's not going to be ready for like another like two, three years anyway. But like, that is also like that the light at the end of that tunnel is not bright either, you know? Yeah, Seiko uh, intrigued me a little bit. So uh, I was, a lot of us were hoping oh. Perry could f- find a way to get back into the first round, and he didn't. But if he did, he was one of the guys I had my eyes on. Oh, man. I had like, I was doing a live thing at uh, for the draft, and I was like scared to death they were going to take Nasir Little because that's exactly the type of dude they've taken in the past. And then they took Seiku and I was like freaking out and I'm like, yo, this dude's going to play right away. I'm super hype. And then we see him in the preseason and like, he's just a little basketball baby. Like he has no idea what to do with his arms and legs. He's just like running around like a chicken with his head cut off. And it's like, oh man, like this kid is, this kid's way far away. He's way further away than I thought he was going to be. He's playing in France. Like he was 17 years old, like playing pro basketball. I thought he could play right away. And I was, I was wrong. Yeah, that's it's so hit or miss with those guys. Cause like, for example, Frank Milikina in France, who he's playing professionally for a few years as as a sixteen, seventeen year old, and his stats were not very good, right? He's averaging like three, four points a game, whatever. Some you know, a couple assists, good defense, uh, but he wasn't playing a lot. And same thing with like a Chris Porzingis, same thing. He was barely. Score, he wasn't playing much. I think his last year in uh, the EuroLeague, he was uh, averaging like 10 points. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't going wild over there. And then he comes over and right away, all of a sudden, he's putting up like 14 and 7 and, and looks like he can legit play in the NBA, no problem. And then like Frank comes over, you know, same kind of a situation, looks totally lost. Like it, it really is a mystery box thing with them. Like it's just a, it's a tough evaluation. I do not envy the scouts. Yeah, man. And like they're they're worried about like him speaking English too. Like he like clearly like does not have like an amazing grasp with the English language. And so like he's coming off as like quiet and shy, but like he might he might not be. He just like might not know how to speak English that well. It's the same thing with like Rui Hachimura, right? Like Rui's been over here a bunch and like the coaching staff at Gonzaga like talked openly about how it's like it was it was hard to teach him stuff sometimes because it was just like you have the you have weird idioms that don't make sense and like don't translate. Like you tell tell a dude to go stand at the nail and he's like, what? what? Like the the what? Like that doesn't make any sense. I mean, like you had, then you got to like sit down and explain that and then some other stuff. And so, yeah, man, like I'm, I'm excited about Seku. Don't get me wrong. But like he is a little he's a little basketball baby. And uh, I don't I don't I don't I don't agree with Perry on much, but like I can see why they didn't try and like get back in the first to to take him. Well, congrats on your uh, version of Frank Nielakina. Hope that goes well for you, and oh. I hope your fans uh, are much more sane and reasonable about discussing this player than the Knicks fans have been. They're not because <laughs> <laughs> they never are. They never are. All right, Kyle. This is this has been great, man. I really, I really appreciate you you coming on the podcast, you talking to me. No um, tell the people where they can find you, where they can find your work. Tell them about uh, the new thing you guys got going on with uh, 
what was it the uh the other uh media company oh um whistle sports yeah whistle sports that was it yeah so uh a lot of things going on so you could uh find me on twitter if you were interested after this lovely conversation um at kyle maggio just k-y-l-e m-a-g-g-i-o um you can uh follow my knicks site slash pod slash everything else at the knicks wall uh, that's our popular little knicks brand uh we like to think that we're funny and entertaining and also do good work with our articles and whatnot so uh if you would like to learn more about the knicks which i don't know why you would come over to the knicks wall it'd be great um and uh yeah i recently started at whistle sports so uh pretty excited about that to let me do a lot of uh fun and you know creative things there so uh you can just give them a follow on, uh, you know, Instagram and Twitter at Whistle Sports. Um, but we, we got a lot of uh, things in store for you guys, like uh, a lot of different things. Uh, there's a deal with Blue Wire uh, that went through today, so congrats to uh, us, us, and uh, you know, nice little merger with Whistle. So. I don't know the specifics of anything, but I just know that we're going to be working together as a pod network. So uh, that should be fun considering I'm already part of this pod network. So, uh, you know, I'm, I guess I'm here regardless, but uh, <laughs> it, it'll be fun. Uh, I, I got a lot planned for what I think we could do as a network for Blue Wire and Whistle and uh, should be some exciting things. Yeah, man. The, the next wall, I got to say, like, this is, I think, slightly overblown, but like Knicks fans, like as the on a whole, like are like just very hilarious. Not only because like they're from New York or whatever, but also because like the the clear pain and agony just like really seeps through into the comedy, and like that just makes it like so much funnier. And like the Knicks wall is one of the better places on the internet, like for that. So like if you're just like a fan of basketball, like who give like I I know. Like, this is hyper-local. You live in Michigan. You're not, like, super fans of the Knicks or whatever. But, like, you should go to the site. The site's great. Well, thank you for the kind words. That's, you know, we just try to keep it light. It, it already sucks being a Knicks fan. Yeah. Uh, we we all just want to laugh a little bit and just – supposed to, sports are supposed to be an escape, so we got to find a way to make it entertaining. Laugh to keep from crying. I get you. Correct. <laughs> And I, of course, am Lazarus Jackson. You can follow me on Twitter at last chance at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. You are listening to my podcast, the Pistons versus Everybody Cop podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Uh, thanks for listening, and we will talk to y'all next week.